Well, Barb is very jealous that I am here and she's not. <laughs> so, um, and, and so I promised her that I would greet you from her. Now, don't feel too badly. Our daughter Mandy is with her today. Um, in fact, I understand, and no names will be mentioned, but apparently last week during the announcements, it was mentioned that Vermilia, some Vermilia was going to be here today, and one of your young parishioners, unnamed, turned to her aunt and said, is Mandy coming? <laughs> so Mandy's got a bigger following here at Heritage than Tim and Barb. So <laughs> I, uh, that was, Mandy told me and told me who said it, uh, but uh, yeah, 1986. Now, everything, you know, when I first came into this building, when after you did all of this 90-degree thing, it really messed me up. <laughs> so the platform, for those of you who weren't around, it was up there, over there, and, um, and I, yeah, I have pictures of that day. Both Barb's parents and mine were here, and uh, the leadership of Heritage gathered, prayed for us. And, uh, you know, the, this church, you folks have been such an important part of our lives. Um, 37 years. That really doesn't seem possible. We marked a point, I think, a year and a half ago where we had spent half of our lives in Quebec. And now, you know, we're just, it's all bonus now. We just keep adding on to that. Um, and, and not that we would have ever been opposed to just going and staying, but I don't think we ever, either of us, thought that we would actually do that and that the rest of our ministry lives would be spent in Quebec. I can't think of a place I'd rather be, except during the winter. <laughs> I should have, I didn't think to do it. I, a picture of our front lawn taken, I mean, there's like 15 feet of snow in my front yard right now. And I come down here and even, although it was warmer at Quebec City yesterday morning, then in Clark Summit, it was zero oh, Celsius. It was zero here. It was one degree in Quebec. So 34, 32. So thanks for the warm welcome. <laughs> and, and just real quickly, too, uh, God is at work in Quebec. Um, it is still not just a cold place, but it's a hard place. But God is saving French Canadians. And we praise him for that. Um, Barb is doing a Bible study. The Story of Hope, you may have heard of that. Uh, a uh, evangelism tool that was developed by ABWE people. And it's been translated into many languages used around the world. But Barb started a Bible study using the Story of Hope with Emily. And you need to write her name down. If you're taking notes on anything this morning, write Emily's name down. Emily is 84 years old. Now, if you met her, you wouldn't guess it. You might guess 74 or even younger. And Emily's daughter-in-law has been faithfully talking to her mom-in-law about Jesus for years now. And God allowed Barb and a couple of other ladies from our church to meet Emily. She comes to church now faithfully every Sunday. And uh, she said to Barb well, a few weeks ago, I just don't understand it. 
But she wants to understand. Barb and another lady from church bought a Bible for her. And she said, I'm reading that every day. I don't understand it, but I'm reading every day. So pray that the Holy Spirit will open her eyes. I hope we're going to soon be able to tell you that Emily came to the knowledge of Jesus. Mandy is in Quebec City this weekend. So she lives in Montreal, uh, the famous one of the Vermilias, you know, who <laughs> got recognized last Sunday with ABWE. So she's part of our team. It's one of those funny things. I'm her boss. She doesn't really, I say that and she, it doesn't phase her, but, but God's given her some great opportunities to serve him in Montreal. Um, huge city, four million people. And uh, she's, God's opened doors of ministry, so um, he's just been too good, so good. Um, and we thank you for your part. Um, thank you for this plaque, just, it's all God, I, and you know that, and I, it bears repeating. Uh, so I love to preach, and I love to preach in English. I don't get to do that very often. I find I can say a whole lot more in less time in English. And uh, so here we go. Uh, hang on. Um, and, and we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Um, do you like mysteries? I'm, I'm, I was never, you know, into big time into mysteries. You know, like uh, Agatha Christie and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I mean, not, I'm not opposed to them, and I, I, I watch the movies. I don't read the books, I watch the movies. Um, and here, I'll give you a couple more names to pray for. So Barb, uh, she teaches, she's been teaching English second language now for probably 27 years, 28 years. And the really cool thing is our, her, her office is our dining room table. And so her students come to our house, sit at our dining room table, which is nice for her, she doesn't have to go anywhere, but it, it brings them into our home. And over the years, so many times, she's had the opportunity just, she becomes almost a counselor to these folks. And she said, it's interesting, as an English teacher, I can ask them questions that if I met them on the street, I would never, they wouldn't answer if I asked them those kinds of questions. And so two of the ladies, the ladies' names are Michelin and Helen. So again, write those names down. Barb has been teaching these two ladies English now for 12 years. So they come to our house once a week. Come sit at our dining room table. And I, I, they came to mind because they just finished reading Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> One of those mysteries. I watched the movie. And they read the book. Uh, but pray for Miss Lynn and Helen. I'm, they're my friends too. I mean, I see them every week or if I'm in the house when they come over. Um, but back to mysteries. You like a good mystery? Well, some mysteries, you know, when, when you find out, what, you know, you, the solution is presented and it's like, you know, you know, no big deal. Well, we're talking about a mystery this morning that's an incredible one. So if you're in Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 to 13, and uh, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Um, 
don't always do this, but I think it's certainly a, a way for us to show honor for the Word of God. And I'm going to ask that you read with me, as we did earlier with Asa. So let's read these 13 verses. Um, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, let's read together. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Thank you. And you may be seated. I don't know if I was supposed to have a little clicker to advance things, or I'm just going to count on you guys not to do anything funny. Um, so let's, we're going to move off of this first slide here, this, this slide, and, and, and just want to talk here about... Um, this idea of mystery. Now, I assume that most of you have read the letter to the Ephesian church. So we're going to sort of pretend that we don't remember, okay? Just pretend that you don't remember what's going on in the letter to the Ephesian Christians for a moment. Because I want to, we're going to talk in sort of reveal as we go this morning this mystery but it's very interesting um let's see mitch did you preach last week yes. so we did this we messed this up mitch should have preached ephesians 3 1 to 13 last week so i could have preached ephesians 3 14 to 21 today so forget whatever he said for the moment <laughs> all right but what, here, this is really interesting. So chapter 3, the first verse, and I, I'm pointing there. <laughs> You're looking here. But um, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then it's like sort of a break. And I say that because if you look at verse 14, which you did look at last week, for this reason, and the same language. He starts in verse 1, 
And then it's like there's a giant parentheses of verses 2 to 13. And then verse 14, oh yeah, I was going to pray for you guys. And then what a wonderful prayer. In verses 14 to 21, the rest of chapter 3. So, so what we're going to look at is this giant parentheses that, um, that Paul, I, I think Paul, I don't know if he was ADHD or not, but did you ever see the movie Up? You know, Squirrel? Squirrel! I, I, I almost, I, I'm, hey, listen, this is all in jest, but it's like there were key words that when Paul, he's writing and he'd get to, the, like gospel is one of them. I mean, he writes the word gospel and I mean, he's off talking about the gospel. And, and so here he's, he's, he's talking, he's just said some important things in chapter 2. He's writing along and, and, and he gets to this, for, for this reason, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles and it's like, Oh, i got to see some more about that. So he did get to the prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. So we're going to explore this, um, this parenthesis. So let's move on. And uh, again, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be pointing at you guys. So th- there's the idea of mystery. This, and, and it's really interesting. I, I was going to read to you out of a different translation. And the French translation that we used last Sunday, or two weeks ago when I preached this up in Quebec, Mystery wasn't the word that was used, so I had to keep going back, and it's really, it's a mystery, it's a mystery. But it's not the first time we've seen this. So in chapter 1, the the longest Greek sentence in the Bible, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, Bill Arp, bless his soul, he was my first Greek prof, had class with him, and he said, for next class, I want you to do, that." We, we looked at the introduction to Ephesians 1, I want you to translate the next sentence in Greek. It's only 11 verses long. It was a joke, thankfully. But in verse 9, and you see the, you see the words there, I'm just highlighting a couple of lines, making known to us the mystery of his will through Jesus. The Father is making known. Then in chapter 3, and it comes up four times in chapter 3, how the mystery was made known to me. My insight into the mystery of Christ. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And then finally in verse 9, the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. God knows how to keep a secret. (laughs) He had a plan that was begun in, in his mind before he ever created, before anything that we read about in Scripture took place. This mystery was already there in the mind of God. And many, many millennia later, he makes it known. So we're, we're reading about stuff that God had planned before the ages. So let's go now into the text, and we do this quickly. I know the, the time goes too fast, but assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mysteries, the mystery of Christ. So let's take that apart a little bit. So here are, and now, 
I don't like your system for PowerPoint display. You, got, you get to see everything at once that I was going to show you a little bit at a time. So no mystery here. <laughs> but Paul's role, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, I, heaven's going to be such an amazing thing, but I hope that we get to just sit down and have conversations with people who marked our lives while we were here on earth. I, you know, I mean, the way, line's going to be long to talk to Paul, but Paul... He had a wonderful opportunity. God gave him the privilege of revealing this mystery that we're talking about this morning. So first of all, God revealed it to Paul. This isn't something Paul made up that, you know, he, he couldn't sleep some night. And so, no, it's something that God revealed to Paul. Secondly, God commissioned and sent Paul with the news of the revelation and then thirdly, God enabled Paul to understand it. Now, we have to back up a little bit. So you remember who Paul is. I am assuming that. Paul, he describes himself in Ephesians. He, he talks about his pedigree. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He, I mean, he boasted about who he was as a Jewish believer, follower of God. I mean, he was... Uh, he was... A Pharisee. He, you know, he, he had done his bar mitzvah and everything else that was associated with it. This guy, he was a committed follower of God as a Jew. Now we're talking about a mystery where that's going to change. And, and Paul, the guy who was the most radical <laughs> as a this is for us only guy, God's going to turn him on his head and say, no, no, no. So God reveals this wonderful, wonderful news to Paul. And then Paul becomes, we, we use the term at least, the apostle to the Gentiles. So talk about flipping the script. I mean, Paul is, this is for us only, and all of a sudden it's for everybody so let's continue now. Look at the text as we continue along. Uh, and actually, I need your help. Now, we have to do this fast, and I'm counting on you. Some of you are students at the college, right? Any students? You're taking Bible? Some of you are professors at the college. You've probably read your Bible. Okay, so we're going to do this real quick. Quick survey, because we need to have a, a, an understanding of the background of the mystery. So the first thing, first thing, I hope good, it appears one thing at a time. Um, we're talking about a man. Who would that be? One man. Old Testament history. One man. Very important man. Abraham, thank you. All right, so number two, we're looking at a promise. Now, a promise given to Abraham. What might that promise be that would be of importance in the mystery? Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because we don't have a lot of time here. The, in Genesis 12, all the families of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. Now, we forget that for most of the Old Testament, don't we? Because it's all about the Jews. And, and, and All right, let's keep going. Number three, there was a nation. What's the nation? Israel. Number four, a system for worship. What was it? Okay, the law and the sacrificial, sacrificial system, right? Um, but it was pretty much for the Jews. And then the fifth thing, 
A leadership system. What was the leadership system that God gave to Israel? Three kinds of leaders. Prophets, priests, kings, okay? But, but as we look at that, that's the background. That's, that's a real fast survey of the Old Testament, but it is pretty much strictly Jewish. Would you agree with that? So, here we go. Let's move on. So, now uh, we're rereading part of this text, but assuming you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation... As I have written briefly, now we're going to look what he said briefly in a moment. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known. Okay, it was, that's what we're talking about, mystery. It was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now this is a big deal. I don't think we can appreciate it. We're 2,000 years removed from the revelation of this mystery. But if you think about the early church, so, so let's think about the early church. Acts chapter 2, an amazing thing happens as the disciples preach on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people come to the knowledge of Jesus as Messiah, the Savior. Acts chapter 4, 5,000. But it is all very, very Jewish. Chapter 6, you know, there's a little dispute going on in the early church because some of the, uh, the believers, they weren't, eh, they weren't pure Jew, and so they felt like they were being dis, you know, snubbed in the distribution of food and provision. So, that's Paul's background. That's the background of the birth of the church and what's going on here. All right, so let's move on here in the next slide. And, and he said, I've written about it briefly. Actually, he wrote almost a whole chapter about it in chapter 2. But here are verses 14 to 16. And just so it sort of sticks out and, uh, you know, they're on the screen. For he himself, who is that? Jesus. Jesus is our peace. We're going to sing that at the end of the message this morning. He is our peace. Now, Paul is writing, this, this is Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 2. So he's writing to a group of people in Asia Minor. The church in Ephesus was probably an almost entirely Gentile. So just the flip side of what Paul had known as he came to a knowledge of the, of the Messiah. He himself is our, our peace. Who has made us both one. Who are the both? The both that he's mentioning. Who is it? Jews and Gentiles. I like Gentiles better than pagans, but... Uh, well, that were that too, but... He's made us both one and has broken down... In his flesh, in his body, the dividing wall of hostility through Jesus Christ. A wall that had been erected that existed from the beginning was knocked down. 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. We talked about a system, the law, the sacrifices that was so Jewish in nature, he abolished it. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. One new man. Jewish, Gentile, one. So making peace and might reconcile us both, Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Now folks, we're too far removed to appreciate that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's mind-blowing what happened as Jesus came died a death that we should have died, came back to life, returned to heaven, and then as the Spirit was given, this whole thing begins to explode. He's our peace. Now up in Quebec, when I preached this a couple weeks ago, I said, I knew the answer, because I know our church family. I said, are there any Jew, Jewish people in the congregation this morning? And I knew there weren't. I would ask the question this morning, are there any Jewish people in our in the congregation this morning. Okay, folks, you ought to say a loud amen. Thank you, Father, <laughs> that your plan was to open this thing up wide because otherwise we would all be outside of the grace of God this morning. Amen. Huh? That's amazing. Let's go on in chapter 3. This mystery, right? We've, we, I know you know this, I know, but... We're pretending. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's another amen, folks. That's us this morning. The mystery is that for all of the, the ages prior to Jesus' arrival on the scene and accomplishing all he did, up until that time, the door was locked. We didn't have access we are now fellow heirs. We are members of the same body. We are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Next slide here. So remember that survey? Well, that number two, the promise, it's for us, all the families. I think um, maybe Asa mentioned it earlier, but Revelation 7, what a great promise. You know, on days uh, when you get a little discouraged up there in Quebec and, man, I mean, we see other people coming to Christ who are immigrants from other places around the world and, well, oh, the French-Canadian hearts just seem sometimes so hard. But there's a great promise that when Jesus returns and all things are put in place, there will be people from every nation and tribe and <laughs> all, all the families of the earth blessed because of God's plan. Amen. Through Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles, the same inheritance, members of the same body, participating in the same promises. All right, let's keep going through the text. 
of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. And what was given to Paul, guess what? It's been given to us. We are ministers. Because of God's grace in our life, we are ministers of the gospel. Because the, the power that, as Paul preached the gospel, what drew people to Jesus wasn't Paul's dynamic personality. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit is at work in us and through us to transform people's lives in 2023. Moving along here. So the last thing we add now, so Paul's role in revealing God's mystery, that last one there at the bottom of the page is that God enrolled Paul as a servant. In the text there, it's the word diakonos, deacon, servant. Paul became a servant to serve those who were receiving this good news. So here's this guy who was Jew of the Jews. I mean, he was so proud of that pedigree. In fact, in Philippians, he said, I count it as garbage. It doesn't matter anymore. And he became a servant to the Gentile world that was being introduced to Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just cool. I mean, talk about flipping something upside down. All right, let's keep going in the text here. To me... Verse 8, though I am the very least of all the saints. And you know, that's not false humility. Paul believed that. He really did believe that without the grace of God in his life. So bottom of the totem pole. But I, I'm, I'm the least, but I've received grace. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known in the, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. There's a whole bunch there. Let's move on. Look at the next slide here. So the expanse of this mystery is revealed. Again, I wanted you to see them one at a time, but the unfathomable riches of Christ are for, also for the Gentiles. Don't ever get over that. The fulfillment of the mystery proclaimed to all. I mean, you can go out of this door this morning, go down the street, meet somebody, and you can have the confidence that it doesn't matter who they are, you can proclaim to them this wonderful message of the gospel. Because if they're not a Jew, they're a Gentile. If they're not a Gentile, they're a Jew. And they all, all of us, can be recipients of this wonderful mystery that's now been revealed. What's really incredible is the angels. The angels discover aspects of God's wisdom as they observe this new creation, the church, the church without walls. I really think that's who's being referenced there at the end of verse 9, <coughs> pardon me, um, the authorities, heavenly authorities. Peter talks about it. They, they look down and scratch their heads at how God <laughs> saves human beings. You know, the angels, they learn as they observe what God is doing in 
the lives of people. Keep on going here. This was according to all of those things. This was according to the eternal purpose that he had realized, has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Long kept secret. That mystery revealed by the coming of Jesus. And again, we add something to the list. If we flip, the, there we go. The last part of the expanse of this mystery is that this eternal plan is fulfilled by the coming and completed work of Jesus Christ. Now, there's still some things left to be done. So I don't, I'm not suggesting that there isn't more on the, uh, on the calendar. But as Jesus came, we, all, we celebrated his coming a couple months ago. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate. The first part's not celebration. As we remember what Jesus did in our place, how he suffered, went to the cross, put in a tomb, but three days later, praise God, alive, conquering death, conquering sin, and he completed so that this mystery of many ages could now begin to unfold. Isn't that, isn't that great? <laughs> All right, let's look continue here. Verse 12, <coughs> pardon me, in whom we have boldness, in Jesus. We have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Access to what? To all the riches of the Father. We have that. That's access that we have. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory, which is your glory. So Paul, he, he's, he's in prison. He's writing from prison. But he says, I don't want you to be, you know, don't, don't worry about it. What I'm dealing with, it's okay because it's advancing this eternal plan. All right, let's look here at the, the blessings that flow. We're, we're winding down, so hang on. A couple more minutes. The blessings that flow, flow from the revealing of God's eternal plan. First of all, unity in the body of Christ. Now, we, that's another whole message. That'll be yours, Glenn. Unity in the body of Christ. Now that's easy to say. That's just a little phrase there. And it was supposed to be there just by itself on the page. Uh, don't be distracted by everything that's underneath there, okay? But unity in the body of Christ. Now folks, that is so important. Jesus spoke to his disciples hours before he was going to go to the cross. Remember what he said by this? All men will know you're my disciples. By what? Love that you have for one another. John 17. Literally hours before they come to the garden to arrest him and take him away to be crucified, he prayed. And he prayed for unity. Now, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all have to look the same and talk the same and you know, believe every little tiny detail the same. That's not unity. So let, let's be careful not to confuse that, but the, the, the power of the gospel message needs to unify us as part of the body of Christ. That mystery revealed. We have a shared faith. It's really interesting um, up in Quebec, uh, 
well, the first challenge was learning French, of course. But then discovering that even in the fellowship of Baptist churches that we associated with, there were some interesting differences of doctrinal opinion. And uh, had to work through that. I had to work through that. But I, I, I'll tell you that the, those churches where the gospel message is being preached, even if we don't agree on every detail of doctrine, they share the same faith. We share the same faith. A part of what was accomplished also is that we have freedom to come to the Father with confidence. Uh, Jesus knocked down the wall. Jesus tore the curtain, well, as he was uh, taking his last breath. That access is there. We have freedom to go to our Father. And then, and you know, the, and I, I take this from what he says about, uh, you know, I don't want you to be upset about what I'm dealing with, but we, God gives us a sensitivity and compassion for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted because of their faith in Christ Jesus. You know as well as I do that around the globe this morning, some of our brothers and sisters are going through really, really hard times because of their faith. We have colleagues with uh, ABWE up in London, Ontario. They're from Iran. The only believers in their respective families. God's giving them a ministry a global ministry to Iranians. One of the really cool things that happened with COVID, they went from a one Saturday afternoon potluck dinner with Iranians in their city to a weekly Zoom meeting with people from around the world coming and hearing the gospel. And the church in Iran is exploding. The church in China is on fire. We have brothers and sisters we need to pray for who are going through hard times because of the revealed mystery that the gospel is open to all. All right, one last slide, I think. <laughs> yeah, so some challenges for us. That's a 2,000-year-old mystery that's been revealed. And it isn't a mystery to us. We know it so well. <laughs> but here are the challenges for the church of 2023. And let's be real personal about it. For Northeast PA today. Live out the unity that was secured at the cross. Um, churches here in Northeast Pennsylvania where the gospel is being preached, pray for them. They probably all don't have, well, I know they don't all have Baptist in their name. But if they're preaching the gospel, pray for them. Amen. A good, good friend of mine, many of you know him, Dan Nichols. Uh, Dan began when he was down at Restored Church in Wilkes-Barre. Now he's up in Cortland. Every Sunday, Dan prays for a church in his area where they're preaching the gospel. So let, let's, let's have large spirits for our brothers and sisters 
Believers who come from different backgrounds. And I've listed some of the differences. Pray for them. Believers who are different from us, and those differences are many and varied. I get it. So I would say pray for ourselves first and then pray for them. Because Jesus' desire, the Father's desire, John 17, it's too obvious. He prayed that we would be one. And that is the testimony that will strike be striking to people outside of Christ. There's one more slide. Live out the unity, yes, but then also continue to cross cultures without crossing borders. That's the tagline on our prayer card with every ethne, ABW USA, cross cultures without crossing borders to invite the world whom God has brought here to North America Pause there just a second. This is not political. There are people, I understand, I don't live here anymore, but I get cable television. I read. The world's upside down, okay? But I understand there are people here in the United States that shouldn't be here. Legally, politically, whatever. But guess what? God is a sovereign God, and if they're here, they're here by His design. Amen. Even if they get sent home someday, they're here. And I, I want to challenge you. I mean, can't say this loudly enough or often enough. God has brought the world here. And there are people here in the United States, there are probably people here in Northeast PA right now, they come from places where we cannot go with our Bible open to preach the gospel. It's impossible, but God's bringing them here. So go. Cross cultures. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes the language is like, oh man, we're at, we have a hard time understanding. It's hard to communicate. It's okay. Put up with it. <laughs> Make an effort. And, and uh, invite them to meet Jesus. Amen. He broke down the barrier and gave access to all who come to him. Great mystery. We all know the story now. We all know what it means, what it means for us. Let's pray. Father, we, we read this stuff and we... We think about Paul, and uh, I just, it's hard for me to imagine how um, hard it was for him to grasp that what he had been so selfish about, now you were calling him to take that message to the world. I am so thankful that was part of your plan. I'm thankful that this morning, Jew and Gentile, the wall is broken down, the door is wide open, and you save those who come to Jesus. Lord, I pray for Heritage Baptist Church. I love this church. I thank you for it. Thank you for its ministry to Barb and me and our family down through all these years. I pray for them, Father, that they will be effective, more and more effective, as they reach this community. 
they're doing it around the world too. Lord, you've, you've used them to commission and send out missionaries. But I pray that you'll help them right here in Northeast PA to be used powerfully to demonstrate the unity in Jesus and the power of the gospel. Thank you that you've given us this treasure and you've allowed us to be a part of your plan to share the good news with people around us. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.